Hey guys, uh, Riley here. A little bit of a different intro this time. Uh, since the last time we did a podcast, we've started trending on the iTunes Canada stores new and noteworthy, uh, which is really fantastic. And it's all because of you guys. We're the only podcast that is just sort of two people doing it out of their living room that I can sort of see on these lists. All the rest seem to be people from big podcasting networks. So we're the only ones who are sort of homebrewing it like we do. And it's mostly because you guys are rating and reviewing our show. And if you have, I'm going to write your name out or I'm going to read your name out in a second. If you haven't, I really encourage you to do so because uh, it helps us out a ton. Uh, and we've been getting a whole bunch of new traffic and uh, it's just great. It just helps out the show so much. Uh, so I want to thank out everybody who's been doing uh, the Lord's work, whatever Lord that is to you. Um, like, where's my chip chirp? JB squared five. Atabasca Tabasca Fiasca. The Perova, Christopherus, Purple Floyd, Papa Zimbo, Just Spinning, White Lightning, Anne Hathaway, Help the Pickles Burn Flesh, and Kanye's BFF. Um, you're helping us push up the charts, and it's great. Again, we when we started this three weeks ago, we had no idea it was going to be this. It was going to be this big so quickly. Uh, so thank you so much. Uh, and so this podcast, this episode is mostly to let you guys get a sense of who we are and where we're coming from when we get angry at uh, guests for not being into Peter Gabriel as much as they should be, because uh, we sort of good delve a little bit into my artistic uh, whatnot. So uh, yeah, enjoy it, and thank you so much. We are the Stone Heart. So when did you decide you wanted to be a producer? I mean, <clears throat> oh, when I did, when I discovered I had no talent. Yeah, I was like, well, you'll never be a lyricist. That's no. Nope. Sure. Horrible. <laughs> so um, you moved here to Ottawa, and shortly after that, like I know you came here for university and things like that. But I mean, you've always been into like a musician at heart, and obviously playing the flute. But when you came here, uh, <laughs> like roughly, what year was it when you decided I want to try and start producing music here? When I, did Radioactive Bishop become? When did Riley become radioactive bishop? I, I started doing music, yeah, probably 10 or 11 years ago. And uh, I, I, I was very obsessed when I started doing stuff on my own. Uh, I was very obsessed with Brian Eno and his ambient one, ambient two, ambient three, ambient four albums. I, love, I loved what ambient music was because it was sort of like this, uh, it sounded like the detritus left over right. from everyone else's, uh, from every other genre stuff. Or if, yeah, if you just went to the cutting room floor of everybody else's uh, music, what you'd find is like the pieces of what ends up becoming ambient music. And um, so I just became, I think, with almost anybody who uh, starts doing ambient music, you become obsessed with Brian Eno for a while. And so I, uh, the first piece of music that I did as Radioactive Bishop was this thing that I called the One Note Series, where I took one sample of a piano at uh, Middle C. Okay. And I just basically stretched it and changed as much as possible to make five very distinct songs that didn't sound at all like each other. Um, and, and for me, it was it was as much an EP as it was sort of like a proof of concept. It was almost revelatory for me as to how much you could change a sound these days using just like a store bought laptop and nothing yeah. else. Like it was it was crazy, and it. it and it was so amazing that like all this power was at my fingertips. I was amazed that other people weren't doing more with it. Like other people are, were spending, you know, thousands upon thousands of thousands of dollars to like buy, you know, vintage synthesizers or like uh, modular drum machines or things like that uh, to to do music that sounded like something that had, other people had already done, and they were doing it to sound like those people, but they weren't realizing they were missing the point. It, that those people's uh, that those artists were only doing what they were doing at that time because that was the cutting edge of technology. They were doing it because that was their limit. Right. 
and then uh, so I got I I got very suspicious of these people who who do like a lot of modular synthesis, a lot of a lot of different uh, sort of stuff that just makes you sound like a uh, somebody from the eighties or nineties or whatever, because that, that wasn't, you're missing the point of what those musicians were trying to do. What mm-hmm. they were trying to do was be on cutting edge. They, they only stopped where they were. Those old, those albums only sound like they do sound because they didn't have, you know, a $600 laptop at the time. Cause that <clears> didn't exist. That was so much at that time. With yeah. That was 25 years away. Yeah. yeah. The, the most advanced piece of machinery in the world was the, uh, fucking thing that took everybody to the moon and it had less memory in it. It had less processing power than a Game Boy did. Like that was <laughs> that was the world that they were creating that music in. You're creating music to sound like that, even though those artists would never ever want to sound like that. In that, uh, it it if they existed in any other era, they'd be pushing forward boundaries as much as possible. Well said. Uh, and so, yeah, that's what uh, one note, the one note series was about. Was uh, five songs. All just, uh, oh, there's our first extended of the episode, I'm hoping. Uh, <laughs> Probably not the first. But. I'll edit it that way. Um, it was just really, and like I made drums out of those sounds. Yeah. Like I made uh, things sound super crazy out of it. And then I did one that was sort of uh, my answer to uh, Avril 14th by Aphex Twin. Uh, yeah. We just sort of just a nice little lyrical piece, uh, which I think we'll probably hear. Uh, later on, because the other ones are a little, are a little tougher to swallow. Um, but yeah, so that's that's when Radioactive Bishop started. That's that's where, that's where it all all began. Was in my parents' garage with a laptop, and I, <laughs> I went into I went into the local music store, uh, and I said, I need your best sounding interface, and they said, What? <laughs> I need your best sounding interface for under 500 bucks or something like that. So they gave me that and they gave me another a microphone and the microphone that they gave me is uh, the one that I'm using right now. <laughs> and the, the interface that they gave me was a little Sapphire LE from it's gotta be, it was released probably 12 years ago. Uh, it's battered, it's bruised, but it still works like a charm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So the style of stalker, very gritty, very in your face. Uh, hardcore rap, experimental rap, I guess you can call it. Uh, what do you guys label yourself as? Uh, so I guess lately it, it's been going more in a grime direction. Okay. Uh, which is something that isn't as popular in Canada or the United States as it is in the UK. Uh, but it's sort of, it's it's kind of like trap in that it is at the 140 BPM usually. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, it's just... I really like it because it, uh, a lot of grime producers that I follow, uh, what they do and what I try to do with uh, these things uh, is sort of they're getting outside of sort of tonality or sort of uh, chord progressions and things like that, and they're just using texture as a, sort of a guidance of how to do things. So you start right. hearing you start hearing uh, snare drums that are like uh, broken windows pieced together, mm-hmm. uh, or or sort of uh, errors in uh, in your digital audio workstation uh, actually processing audio. They'll they'll take that error, that like big explosive thing that it fucked up or something like that, and incorporate that into a track. And that's that's something that I, I find really interesting because it is um, and it's something that I try to incorporate into uh, stalker tracks as much as possible. Everything that I work on really is sort of something I try to always make sure that there's something in there that couldn't have been done. You know, more than five years ago, something that you right. need the current technology to do okay. the 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 current abilities because I think that has been a sort of how the the best parts of everybody we remember the the best the best artists uh, uh, that we remember are always the ones who are sort of pushing the limits of the technology that they have to them at their time. Right. Uh, and like, what, what kind of technology are you using? For these stalker songs, like what uh, equipment are you working with, uh, softwares, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, one of the tools that I, I I've really started enjoying using, uh, which it has been criminally underutilized because it, it it's such a it's such an o- opaque way of operating, is is this is this tool called Composer's Desktop Project? Composer's Desktop Project, and yeah. it has existed for. I think it's like 20 years. It recently went oh, wow. open source. Uh, but the reason why it, it, it's been able to exist for 20 years is it's this incredibly complex tool 
that they've never made sort of front end for it. They've never made it into something that is like super user friendly. You to use it, you have to open up a command console, okay. load up your audio, typing in the audio name, All right. and then typing in what you want done to the audio is in the Very the the actual increments that you want done to it, and it. Uh, it's all offline, so you pop you pop something in, and what it pops out, you have no idea how it's going to edit it because mm-hmm. you can't. It's not something like a lot of today's uh, digital audio workstations that will give you immediate feedback. You have to wait for it to process the audio before you can hear it, and, like, and then it, it will come back with just sounds you've never ever heard of. Uh, like it, not not just sounds you've never heard of, but sounds like. When you when you try and put like you want delay at 05 percent or something like that, it'll come back with just the craziest thing that you you can't conceive of what these sounds are uh, doing. And I, I really like that. It, it adds a it adds a certain flair, a certain a randomness, uh, a certain a new characteristic to your audio that you wouldn't normally have if you were following everything you know step by step, the perfect way and to do something things. you don't expect as well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's something that I like to incorporate into. Uh, many of the different projects that I work on. Uh, yeah, uh, you speak of other projects that you work on. Uh, tell us a little bit more about those. So uh, recently, uh, I started up my own little electronic label. Yes, called Hyperprone. Yes, Hyperprone. Uh, we've got a bunch of different artists from around the city and from elsewhere. We do, we've been uh, signing people. Uh, we've got some good guys like the uh, dude behind Bossfeld. Mm-hmm. Doing it um, to do his more sort of bass-heavy velodrones music. Okay. Uh, Pith and the Parankamas, who just did a wonderful showcase as part of Megaphono. Uh, Stalker, obviously. Yes. Some of my solo projects, which we'll hear in a second. And oh, um, Cabal, who also did a really mm-hmm. great show. And so um, Hyperprom is really nice because it, it it it's allowed me to talk to other artists and bring them into the fold. People mm-hmm. who. Uh, have a very similar way of looking at things. People who want to do music that hasn't been heard of. And because Ottawa is sort of a very, it's a very DIY town. Yes, it's absolutely. a, it's a very, um, you can get, you can get very far doing sort of folk or punk. Absolutely. Or some sort of combination of the two. Um, that's sort of where the established infrastructure is. When, when you start having, uh, folks are doing music that's sort of outside that norm, uh, you know, you're, uh, if you've got rap, if you've got uh, metal, if you've got, if you've got, you know, electronica music is a, is a good one. Yeah, there's just there's not the same sort of uh, structure or infrastructure in the city to sort of help these guys build up their build up their talent and then move on to the next stage. And I, I thought that that was really bad uh, because I saw a lot of these people, a lot of these talented people. Uh, who are releasing albums and just sort of becomes like this blip on the radar and then sort of fades out because mm-hmm. there's there's nobody constantly writing about them. There's okay. no one doing uh, all these different things about it. And that's, you know, part and parcel with, with uh, how I sort of want this podcast to go okay. is, you know, we should be highlighting people who are doing great stuff but maybe are under-recognized. Absolutely. Uh, which is why, obviously, we've had me on because uh, I can't, I've never recognized myself to the level that I would like to. Sometimes I'll see pictures of myself online. I'm like, who's that guy? Oh, shit. Yeah, it's me. Uh, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't drink so much. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> and, but no, you're right. Like When you say Ottawa's very do-it-yourself, uh, at the same time, it's also very, like, uh, there's a lot of communal help, I find. Yeah. So a lot of the artists and musicians within the city are willing and happy to help up-and-coming musicians to try and get themselves that recognition that uh, maybe they're not able to achieve on their own. And I think that's kind of where Hyperprone is coming in, helping these for yeah artists that just need that extra push. Yeah, it, it, it's sort of the one thing that everybody needs when they're going to start doing uh, music on a more professional level, uh, which nobody seems to know, is just how to produce properly. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many different things, like your mix has to sound as good in mono as it does in stereo, because when it gets broadcasted... Uh, over the radio, it's only in mono, so you got to make sure that all your elements can be heard in that. There's a, there's just a a whole bunch of different things like parallel processing on your vocal tracks. To make sure that you're you're enunciating everything, comping tracks. So there's all these yes. there's all these different elements that bands or individuals who are recording music don't necessarily know when they're crafting a song because it's it's it's, it's the exact opposite of how creativity should work. It's okay. very sterile. It's very um, it, it's something that you just have to learn. There's no feeling in it at all. You just sort of have to uh, 
you have to learn these tricks and then you have to know when to employ them correctly. And so a lot of bands uh, that uh, I'm working with now, they're at that point where they have great songs. They've crafted really great things. Like you look at Cabal's The Latest Atavistic or you look at Pith and the Parenchymas. Mm-hmm. Uh, both their live shows are terrific. Like they're, they they're, do put on a really good live yeah, show. Yeah, they're wonderful groups to uh, to see live, but uh, it's not always translating that way in the when you listen to their recorded output. And I think that's something that needs to change, and that's one of the reasons why I started out Hyperpron is to mm-hmm. help these guys who are doing you know really good stuff. They're taking their music from like they're recording their music like sort of uh, they're taking it to like eighty percent of near done. Like they're doing most yeah. of the work. They just need exactly. that little bit of shine uh, to make it more commercially viable, which is. A, it's a it's a very weird thing to do because it's you know it's sort of like that perfecting sound for everything. Do, do you make music that's the most natural, or do you make music that is the most uh, perfect sounding? And so, for me, it's obviously the most perfect sounding. I mm-hmm. love I love comping takes. I love I love trying to create little worlds that didn't exist uh, beforehand, sounds that have never existed before, and things like that. And so, um, just knowing all those tricks is something that. You can take all the technical garbage that no band should ever have to think about when they're trying to make a song and just move that out of the way for them. Just be like, I got you on this part. You just you just make great music. All right. Uh, going back to Stalker, uh, you guys have been working on an EP for quite some time now. Uh, got some songs produced. They're out there. They're on SoundCloud. They're ready to be heard. Uh, one of the first songs that I heard, which was at the, uh, the pizza party, and probably by far the best song of the night was Total Submersion. I mean, Dylan is a fucking mastermind as an MC, and you as a producer are on top of your game. So uh, I I think we should all treat our fans here. uh, (laughs) (laughs) But no, no, no. Uh, Maybe not so much a treat, but... (laughs) Okay. Okay. I get it that I'm a co-host, and yes, you have yes. to. I still have, have to, to. I still have to drive them every once in a while. <laughs> but no, no. Let's uh, let's show the fans what we've been talking about here, and let's hear something from Stalker. I think cool. Total Submersion would be a great song to start with. Perfect. Let's do it. Yeah. Celebration, active voice of the nation, hardworking men and women take a longer. 
summer and vacation Here now we station, consciousness hibernation It's not hypnosis, just a feeling Unsettled, it's appealing You're just reeling from the loss of self-control Thought you had it all patrolled But somehow we snuck in Gave your brain the fucking You turned, you came from you You turned up the function and jumped in I saw excursions through your back streets 2 a.m. passing out in my backseat So looking for that sweet spot you had when you arrived Feels like you lost something but I'm sure you're still alive Guess it's been a long night But don't worry where we're going There's no light, light comes first the production side or the lyrical side we've got uh an interesting it's it's definitely for the way that we do rap it's definitely the production side of things that comes first um, see, i would have thought it would have been the other way around well i think that's the trap that a lot of uh new rap artists uh, can sort of fall into yeah. is they make their raps before they make their beats because if you if you make a rap that is basically nonsense but it fits in the pocket of the beat super well doesn't really matter. People are going to mm-hmm. love the song because they just sort of love your cadences matching up with sort of the the way that the beat works. Um, but if you make your rap, like if you if you are like, okay, I got you know, I'm I'm a spiritual messenger from God. I okay. need to make sure that this is said and this is said and this is said. You're going to come into the studio with a rap, but you're not going to have, but you're going to have to try and force those words into okay. a beat. Um, <clears throat> so the way that we do it is we sort of come up with a beat first. Uh, typically sort of pared down just sort of like a a four or an eight bar loop very strong Um, raw like in your face beats what you guys are putting out yeah and and so the way that that works especially for Toll Submersion was um, I had sort of this weird bass line that I'd cobbled together from fucking around with a with a Moog synthesizer um, and just like attaching Mm -hmm. things to it that shouldn't be attached to it fucking around with that uh, and then just having like this you hear it's like a it's 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 like a weird sort of growl um so i had that chop that up into something that would match sort of like a more four on the not four on the floor but sort of more grimy beat and then created a beat that was sort of a skeleton of what you hear in the track uh and then dylan came in and he wrapped over top of that and we spent some time he just came up with uh, he he wrote uh, his words out based on the beat like he just mm-hmm. constantly listens to the beat writes out things that would work in that cadence uh and then we go back through afterwards after he's laid down his vocal tracks and we go through each bar one of the things that i love doing is i love making sure that no that e- songs never get too repetitive yes and i think uh, it's both a it's both a strength and a weakness uh, because sometimes people just love to hear you know like a, a, songs that can go on forever just on the same like nice little riff or yeah, things like that. Absolutely. Uh, but for me, I, I'm just a little too antsy, especially when it comes to stalker stuff. I love putting in just little tiny things here and there that you know pop up for a second, then disappear, and then maybe mm-hmm. come again. Um, and so it, it. I think that's one of the things that makes Dylan such a powerful MC is he's able to take what you're producing and like write these lyrics to them and rap over. Oh them. yeah. He's, he's and absolutely like, fantastic. Fuck. I mean, the guys, the shit you guys put together is amazing. Like this is, I've never heard anything like it, especially out of this film city, but yeah. And so that's one of the, uh, so that's one of the funny things is, so we go in afterwards in any part where it seems like the beat and the vocals aren't, uh, matched up as well as they could be. We go and we edit the beat so that, it, um, so that it, it more sort of so that it sounds more glued to what mm-hmm. he was saying and so um it's really great on the studio side because you get uh this really natural organic you feel like the beat is sort of breathing with you like there's parts where it sort of goes out of tune a little bit or not out of tune but like sort of out of step for a little bit and then comes back and there's all these there's so many layers to that song yes um which is great i love it i shouldn't be complimenting myself so much on a podcast or anywhere anytime i agree 
<laughs> but um yeah it's it, i i think it's a fantastic way of doing things because you you get to you get to escape sort of the generic uh you know i i repurposed uh california by tupac or mm-hmm. whatever and made california my own beat love. out of it and it's just like the same four bars over and over again i guess so bored listening to rap like that Do you know where it, they got that sample from where joe cocker <sighs> woman to woman <laughs> now you know <laughs> god damn joe cocker um but yeah uh, so uh, with these beats I, lo- I love to make them as i guess antsy as possible antsy is not a good word of doing it but it, they they're uh unpredictable they're unpredictable that's mm-hmm. a, that's a great way of, put, of putting it yeah i love doing that uh making sure that the ear uh, never gets too used to any like it never sort of settles down because once your ear starts to settle down if you're not the best at what you do like if you're not LCD sound system yeah. and making loops if you're not Sufjan Stevens and making loops people are going to get bored of your music if you just have the same couple things over and over again and you know different artists deal with that in different ways a lot of them have like actual natural talent and so they can like do things with their voice to inflect differently and things like that that make it better mm-hmm. I have none of that I have no natural talent it's all it's all because I have a computer. I, I can I can play the flute. I can play the flute really well. I, I can add this that. podcast so that uh you're out of it so it sounds a lot better. And <laughs> I heard you're gonna play a live tin whistle set for us later on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh it's gonna be ten hours long. It's gonna be its own separate podcast. It's going to be a tin whistle rendition of uh, So by Peter Gabriel. But the nice thing about that is I I have a forty five minute loop pedal, so I play through all of So once doing the bass line on the tin whistle i come back to it i do the lead line and then i do the melody and then i do all the chords so that's why it's a 10 hour podcast is because i have to go through it about (laughs) about 12 times to get all the different there's one and then the most exciting sit down in front of a microphone we're at least here for like (laughs) (laughs) the most exciting uh, episode of the podcast is the one where i just try and do all the auxiliary percussion yes 45 minutes of me just going Oh, oh, it's fantastic. Um, love trying to interpret those African rhythms on my tin whistle. Can't wait. Can't wait to hear it. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a good one. You're going to find that on the new Noteworthy on the iTunes store uh, pretty quickly, I'm assuming. <laughs> uh, each episode will be 10 hours of me interpreting a different Peter Gabriel album. There will only be 12 episodes of the podcast, I guess. Uh, unless I, I dip into some Genesis. All right, all right. That'll be good. Well, since we're on the topic, let's just like go back a few years you you started off as a flautist i believe yeah 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 so uh growing up in peterborough what was it that wanted did you made you want to put jethro tull's instrument to your lips (laughs) first of all (laughs) jethro tull is not the name of the guy jethro tull was a uh, he created the seed drill in the 1800s and Ian Anderson, Ian Anderson, fine. Ian Anderson, Ian Anderson from Jethro Tull. Everyone knows the who the fuck Jethro I'm talking Tull. about when I say Jethro Tull. No, nobody does. Yeah, everybody does. No. Can we get a, a vote on that, please, fans? Yeah, we're gonna get. Yeah. We're gonna get my family who knows who it is. We're gonna get, and we're gonna get our listeners the who know White, who yeah. Jethro Tull is. Um, <laughs> my mother out of this. <laughs> but um, yeah, so uh, my fine. musical career started off uh, just being. I'm naturally obsessed with Jethro Tull. Wait, the driller or the... <laughs> the seed driller. I just love agriculture. Okay, okay. Um, just so I, we're sure. I loved Thick as a Brick Remains, one yeah. of my favorite albums of all time. It's... Uh, I love... Uh, this is... So, if you can imagine, I wasn't very popular in high school. Never would have guessed. Never, I know. Uh, you look at this... Uh, uh, I'm like I'm part human, but I'm also part Adonis today. So y- y- it's it's tough to imagine that I'm <laughs> um, that I wasn't always like this. Um, it's like a white tiger just staring at you <laughs> from his breasts. Uh, so with with Jethro Tull, one of the things that I was really drawn to it, it was basically progressive rock. I yeah. loved all the different chord changes. Yeah. I loved how nuanced that music was. I love uh, just how how full of uh, well. If you get right down to it, it's full of themselves that they were. They're, they're mm-hmm. These guys Absolutely. who just uh, were great musicians, and they're taking advantage of the time of uh, just like like these are guys who are experimenting with different effects, experimenting 
it, it, you look at it, it's a period of time where people start really using the studio as an instrument. I mean, mm -hmm. Brian Neal is probably, uh, he's a big hero of mine, obviously, because uh, before doing grime rap, obviously I was an ambient artist like so many other grime rap producers. Uh, <laughs> I was actually trying to find your previous <laughs> producer name, but I couldn't <laughs> comment on that. But yeah, it was Radioactive Bishop. Were skip um, Radioactive Bishop, <laughs> named after an Onion article oh. uh, about a... <laughs> Named after a priest who can turn anything into the body of Christ. Lovely. And uh, at the, the very last line of it is the priest says that he gained these powers after being bitten by a radioactive bishop. And so that was fun as an ambient artist trying to, I, 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 I did things as a radioactive bishop for a while. And then like when I went and got my uh, mixed media grant, I had to send in music samples uh, under the name Radioactive Bishop, and I was like, "This is this is just like this is not a professional way of doing things." Like, talk a little more about Stalker and Inhumation, uh, the next song I'd like to hear, uh, and our listeners to hear as well. Uh, yeah, so uh, Inhumation is is a little offshoot of mine, uh, and it's basically me getting obsessed with not only people like Arca or Lodic or Rabbit, mm -hmm. uh, who I really enjoy, but it's also I. It was it was part of this realization for me that the people who are pushing forward most in how uh, new and different sounds are coming forward in music today are sound designers. Are these guys who just sort of uh, are like foley artists? Are like the people who yes. who make who make you aware of how a transformer should sound because they do it so seamlessly. Like they these are guys who. Um, you know, unfortunately, most of their best work is done is sort of packaged in the least uh, sort of the least critically well received stuff. It's all this. It's all, right. all sort of like it's all action movies. It's all like mm -hmm. big robots. It's it's big explosions, things like that. These are guys who are doing crazy things with sound that no one else is doing, and the, so that was something that I really. I really liked exploring uh, and something that I want to I want to try and represent a little bit because music in 2016, for me at least, uh, I believe, and I think a lot of other more popular artists have said this, um, which is crazy to think that there'd be an artist more popular than someone who has zero followers, um, is that, a, <laughs> is that a, music in 2016 is very much a sort of a curatorial um thing like you you sort of have to it's no longer a, an issue of trying to make sounds you have yeah. to choose which sounds are going to be in it and um but you listen to some of these sound designers and just they have that same sort of neurotic approach that i do when it comes to sound is sort of um they 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 really don't care they really don't care about the process of something they only care about what the product is and if that is seamless enough uh and i think we'll hear in that inhumation track is like it's a lot of sounds like there's me singing in some parts but it doesn't sound like me singing is me sort of picturing what would what what uh, what what waking up after being uh abducted if you woke up during the middle of like an alien yeah, uh, sort of that. like a, like an alien religious ceremony mm -hmm. He'd probably be drugged up a little bit. There'd be uh, a whole bunch of things that you didn't understand going around, and you'd have just a warped. Uh, you'd have a warped um, way of looking at the world because you'd be drugged up. There, your senses would be completely off, and there'd just be different things that would react to you in different ways. And uh, I, I like just sort of wandering around a place where you you didn't know anything. I I, I thought uh, that with those inhumation tracks, we're just trying to make. Uh, out of out of very organic things, everything on there was originally uh, something like like a, a cello playing or yeah. or a piano or something like that. But just it, taking it as far as possible to the nth degree of what we can do with sound design at the moment. Obviously, is not what I do, but that was that was sort of uh, the best stuff that I could do using using only organic sources. Okay. And so uh, that's something that. Um, I'm really interested in because uh, one of the things that I worry about when I'm writing music, uh, and I think one of the things that a lot of people are getting more and more aware of as as, as people become more aware of how music's produced, like sort of, you know, the revelation, uh, T.I. used to make millions and millions of dollars yes. a year uh, just producing albums because no one knew how to get that T.I. sound. And it turns out that he was just using an automation feature on uh, Autotune. 
Okay. That was that was all he was doing, but he got paid millions, millions of dollars to do that. Now anybody can have that sound spell. Yeah. So it's essentially <clears throat> worthless to hire someone like that when you can just uh, have someone come in. You can just have that program do it for you. You spoke earlier on how, like, the programs you use, and uh, I can't remember the name of it now for the life of me, but um, have you ever thought about doing, like, your own audio samplings? Like, uh, last our last episode, we were speaking with Isaac, and he, he mentioned uh, how one of his influences is Flying Lotus. And he spoke on the fact that, you know, Fly Low lives in L.A., and he has all these ambient sounds around him that he can, like, feed from and like, use within his music. Have you ever had the urge to kind of get out there with a microphone and just start recording sounds that are around you in your life and putting those into your productions? And so, yeah, uh, I think one of the the great things about modern music is that anybody can do it. Anybody can sort of get into it. Anybody Mm -hmm. can make you have on your phone the ability to make a great album these days. You have an incredible amount of ability. You just have to take the time to start yeah. learning how to use it. And do these sorts of things. I mean, you can do it all through your phone. Yeah. You could, it's crazy. The amount of choice and the amount of power that we have. And I think that is a great thing. Um, the democratization of, uh, music, the democratization of technology to make music is, is an incredible thing. Uh, and it's, it's something that's sweeping across a whole bunch of different, um, mediums at the moment. Like you can make, you can make an entire movie off your iPhone. Now you could edit yeah. it. You can, you can send it up. Like all you need is that. And the thing is the, the cameras on those phones are now better than like, uh, digital cameras from four years ago or something like that. Like it's crazy. It's nuts. The amount of choice that we have, but with that, and I think something that's especially dangerous in um, music these days 
is uh, overuse of quantization, which is sort of, um, you can go through, you can highlight an entire track, and with like three mouse clicks, you can get it so everything sounds perfect. Everything sort of is directly on the beat, um, which is, I'm not faulting that at all. It, it's how like a lot of techno music, a lot of... Um, a lot of EDM is sort of based on people knowing how those rises and falls are going to do it and they, they have to do it on those exact beats. And those people are fantastic at what they do because they are like a lot of EDM artists. I know like we're not supposed to like anything that comes out of EDM, but they those guys know how to make yes. like a kick drum, a snare yeah. drum, yeah. A, a synth line come out of any speaker perfectly. Like you can listen to EDM music from a phone speaker and it's still like it's still recognizable it still hits hard still somehow pure. they're they're crazy at doing that but um one of the the most interesting thing i think that we can do pushing forward in new music these days is is really trying to uh, marry all of this technology that we have with sort of organic uh matter and so that's something that i try to include like a, in that inhumation track that we've ever we've yeah. either listened to or we we are going to listen to you're going to hear um, you're going to hear cut up voices. You're going to hear mm. um, cut up just ambience from like I recorded people who are walking by my door. I just put yeah. two microphones up next to it. I cranked them. Uh, I cranked uh, my preamp so that we could get just like different people talking or footsteps and things like that. Like it's it's the stuff that makes that takes them from uh, being sort of electronic to almost feeling like there's a ghost in between those ones and zeros sort of tearing it apart or bringing it back together and things like that. It's, it's, Oh, it's so fascinating. It's, uh, it's where all the best sounds are coming from these days is people who are, um, they're able to take, they're inventive. They're being intuitive and they're doing their own things. Yeah. And they're doing it with the best parts of, they're not, they're not trying to look backwards. They're trying to look forwards and things like, how can I take this and take it to a different, how can I take just people, walking and take that into a completely different direction how can i that's something that i've always been fascinated by it, it always will fascinate me is just um even though it's just that sound design element of it. it it's just it's so beautiful to me when someone is able to make something uh they can take like a small like just a water droplet and turn into that into like a synth line that is completely unrecognizable it's it's such a testament to how far we've come technologically but also the inventiveness of humans i think that uh, it, it's it's where all my favorite music comes from. Good answer. Oof. Good answer. I think I earned my wine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as I was mentioning mentioning earlier, as I was mentioning earlier, you're a very busy man these days. Yeah, we've got this podcast going. You've got the Hyperprawn label going. You've got a Canadian Arts Council grant. Yeah, you're working on. Uh, can we hear any more about that? Uh, Sure. I mean, people know about the podcast that have listened to us. We've talked about Hyperprawn plenty. Tell us a little more about what you're working on artistically. So I sent in a proposal to the Canadian Arts Council, and it was it's a piece of art. It's a mixed media grant uh, that they, they graciously gave me enough to live on for about a year. Uh, and, it, and so it's a, it's a mixed media grant. It's a mixed media piece that's going to really take a focus um, – in a way that people who go into the installation won't be able to ignore about um, how much information we as people give away to our phones, to our tablets, to our uh, Xboxes, mm -hmm. to to all these things. Uh, like there's a new Samsung TV out that um, is always listening to what you say because it's voice activated. And you think, well, okay, it's just my TV, but the TV has to be connected up to the internet so I can send off everything that you say to a third-party processing plant uh, that will basically process <laughs> your speech commands and then send it back mm -hmm. to the TV so that if so for the convenience of you saying TV on, all you're sacrificing is this TV in the end user agreement. It's always on. It's always listening to everything that you say. And I think that's a... That's a crazy amount of uh, privacy that we're handing over to people. Yes. Um, I think the same go even goes into as far as searching goes. I mean, yeah, you can be talking about something and then you're like, you know what? I'm going to look this up and fucking three keystrokes into your search. It's like, boom, first it's result. It's like, yeah. it knows what you're talking about. Like, well, that was easy. And that's just the way technology is moving forward. And so uh, the, although 
arguably it shouldn't be arguably we should be trying to privatize or not privatize but keep private as much as we can um what we do online because this is uh i've always believed that the the web the uh, the way that we behave online everything that happens in the web is sort of the last the last wild west and we're coming up to things like the tt or the tpp agreement um, that's being signed and, uh, you know, Netflix breaking, uh, sort of cracking down on VPNs We're we're having a lot of big corporations sort of write, uh, write legislature for how we are going to interact online. And it, it, if we're not careful, it's going to be incredibly structured, incredibly controlled in a way that only benefits corporations and doesn't, uh, benefit the individual, which is what the internet is. It's just... You can go online and you can find anything that you yeah. want. Any any indulgence. It's all at your fingertips. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so this is the the piece that I'm working on. Sort of reflects uh, our current uh, the current way that technology is going, which is to be more personable, which I think everybody likes, but also the underneath that sort of Siri facade, which is so friendly, so great, so uh, it's so easy to talk to, is is a corporation that is selling off so much of the information that gathers onto you to third-party uh, players. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, what the piece will end up doing is reflecting how much information you, you give away to people, and it will, uh, uh, it will give you a chance to reclaim some, some of that information for yourself in a, in a unique way. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, uh, what, so, what, what's next in your fucking agenda here, right? What are you um, doing? All right, so the next couple of things that are coming out, uh, hopefully later this month, maybe in March, though, I get pushed just because I'm getting so very busy. Is I'm putting out uh, my first ambient album in a while, oh. and it is being. Uh, is it going under Radioactive Bishop or a new name? This is. <laughs> I've been playing around with because Radioactive Bishop is a name that I've had for ten years. I've had since I was sixteen, um, and it seems like at some point everybody graduates from their. Uh, the band names that they made when they were 16 and radioactive bishop i have a love hate relationship with it mm-hmm. everybody sort of giggles the first time they hear it mm-hmm. um it's sort of like that that episode of the uh, simpsons where uh, seymour skinner says we need a name that sounds funny the first time that you hear it but it sounds less funny each and every subsequent time and they come up with the b sharps yeah so you have a new ambient album coming out new <laughs> yeah don't cut me off i'm still trying to process my feelings to it uh <laughs> Yeah, this is all getting edited out. Uh, so uh, the new one is, uh, I tried to find, it's tough to find an audience for ambient music. I thought you were tired of ambient music. Oh, no, I, I always love ambient music. Right. The thing that I tire of is trying to promote ambient music because it is the saddest thing in the world because you tell your friends to listen to it and you're just like, yeah, so I made an album. It's, 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 it's sort of me. I play uh, I play three notes on it over the course of an hour and a half. Um it, uh, so this is something you're currently working on? Uh, depending on how it works out, there will be six to eight tracks on it. All right. When can we expect that? Um, like I was saying, uh, hopefully later in February. Okay. Uh, maybe early March. All right. All right. Uh, every, a lot it of seems yeah, I, I leave it for a few days and then I come back with like six different ideas and then trying to implement those takes another like six or seven days to do. And then, uh, it's been a lot of fun, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm getting tired of doing that. And the other thing that I've been learning... This How long is, have you been working on that? This is news to me. Uh, yeah, well, I've been trying to keep things... I find that I only actually work on things when I don't announce them to people. As soon as I announce mm. things to people, I'm just sort of like, ah, whatever. It's done. Whatever. It's dumb. Uh, hey, Canadian Arts Council. And... <laughs> and um, I guess we so, ask the same question every fucking podcast, but... Yeah, I guess you're going to have to do it this time. Peter Gabriel or Phil Collins? Is that I don't the only build-up really that you're going <laughs> to... <laughs> I don't give a build-up for Phil Collins or Peter Gabriel. Did you ever see Tarzan? Great fucking film. No. No, let's not go there. It's not a great film. Um, oh, Peter Gabriel, Phil Collins. This is, this is a tough one. But, yeah. Uh, Phil Collins, Peter Gabriel. I mean, how do you... How do you really compare those two artists? Because it's like... One is an actual artist, and the other, the other one, one's name is Peter Gabriel. <laughs> the interview's over. Oh,